Welcome to episode 47 of Crave the Book. In today's episode, Amber and I cover chapters 15 through 21 of Tracy Wolf's Covet. And in this episode, we have some of the funniest scenes of the entire book, in my opinion, taking place within the classroom between Grace and Hudson and Jackson and Flint. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Woohoo! Episode 47. Um, We should do something fun on episode 50. I, I, I can't believe that we're coming up on 50 episodes. That's yeah, cool. that'd be great. That's 47 hours minimum of our voices are out there on the internet. Yeah, because most episodes are over an hour and that and that's without our like normal day job yeah voices you guys should pay us you should send us lots of money <laughs> lots of money just a heaps heaps and piles of it i want so much that amber she could own I, her own dragon horde yes i would like to recreate the dragon horde but since i don't have magical abilities i would just hang all of your jewels and riches up on fishing line from my ceiling and <laughs> pretend like a christmas christmas uh decoration exactly exactly yeah <laughs> Um, guys, if you haven't already, make sure that you hop on Facebook and find the Crave the Book podcast tea room. Tea like you drink, not tea like a t-shirt. Or a uh, golf tea. A golf tea. <laughs> uh, a tea, the letter, a T-bone steak. A T-bone steak. No, the, the sipping tea. Crave the Book podcast the Eng- the, tea The room. British tea. British tea. Yes. Go join our group, hang out, start some discussions in there. Um, we want to make that the happening place for our podcast listeners to talk about all of our crazy theories. And I'm very grateful that we have Phoenix in there also helping to moderate and come up with ideas. But start some discussions. Let's turn it into a booming community. Um, but yeah. And my husband's in there. My yeah. British husband is in there. You can flirt with him. He will might not reciprocate, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can ask him to record any Hudson lines you'd like and he is collating a list to oh, record in one guy. I want chapter 19 from this series of uh chapters that we've read. I want that. We need we need a couple more characters, but I think that it would be fun. It's okay. I've I've uh, shoehorned in chapter fifty-five. <laughs> the <Akata>. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Um, please, can you do this scene just for me? <laughs> just a private scene, just for us. <laughs> don't worry, I have paint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No I joke. Don't get paint anywhere near me. <laughs> oh no, nope. that that whole thing. It's like sexy to read, uh, not sexy in real life. Please don't make a nope. mess. No, no paint, no paint everywhere. But although in a house that tidies itself up, maybe. Oh, I didn't think about that. Maybe. <laughs> well, in the event that this is your very first time here, um, we we should we should just like I don't know. Maybe we should just start doing the howl and not telling them. They should just know by <laughs> now. Like, you should. Yeah. But if for any reason this is your first episode, Amber, there's a special sound that they should listen out for. Do you want to tell them what that sound is? Yes. So the special sound that you need to be listening out for is, of course, the wolf howl. It'll happen around the 40 to 50 minute mark of the episode because we talk for ages. Um, and that will be the ending of where we will talk specifically about the chapters that we have read today. Um, and the beginning of where we might analyze them a little bit further, go into a bit more context as to what happens in the rest of cover and court. Um, and I definitely have some court theories, I think. You do? Yes, I do. Yes. So if you haven't read court yet, make sure to drop out at the wolf howl and come back when you have re-listened to all of them, because I'm sure that at some point you'd have already heard the wolf howl before. Um, so yeah, we've got lots of spoilers after all of Wolf House and across all 45 other episodes. So there's lots of content there. And I think that, I think that Covet is going to be consistent court spoilers because we read Covet. Well, and- until, until, cause we, we're definitely going to have charm 
whilst we're still recording, we will. So actually, we might also have charm spoilers. Yeah, later down the line, most definitely. So, but we'll let you guys know. That'll be probably done exactly the same as the way that we did Court, where we both read it in a day ridiculously fast. And then we will do a bonus episode just on charm. Um, Because it's very difficult to like get rid of the hype about a new book. If you have to wait for months until the time, because we would have had to have continued and then finished court in exactly the same method as the other books gone before we can tackle charm. So yeah, we'll do, we'll do a special episode. One bonus episode for everybody who rushes through the book like we will. Yes. All right. So jumping in, last we left off, Grace and Hudson were having a little bicker in the library. Uh, Hudson's been very standoffish towards Grace. Grace has been kind of standoffish towards Hudson, but also irritated that he's being standoffish towards her and... And nobody is communicating enough in this whole situation. Um, and and Grace has just recently turned herself into a gargoyle out of spite just to annoy Hudson while in the library. And then she turned herself back into a human and he freaked out because he thought that he had lost her or she'd gotten stuck as a gargoyle. And... That has neither, cro- neither of them, neither of them, have the confidence to tell each other the actual truth. Like they are very much uh, struggling with the communication side of things, while like telling each other things. But also, they seem to be trying to only tell what they think the other person wants to hear. Yeah, which is silly because Hudson was in Grace's head for so long that you would think that Grace would be just open to talking to him because she mentions multiple times how strange it is to not have him there and how much she misses having his voice. Like, you know, he was her voice of reason for so long. Yeah. And then also likewise, he's been in her head, even if they did have um, a period of time when they were together that she doesn't remember so that he knows her a bit more intimately than she, than she'll ever know him. But he still was in her head, which is way more of a privilege than anybody else gets into the way that Grace's mind is currently working. Yeah, yeah. And and the constant jabs at each other that by now they should know are harmful. Like, like when Grace, she says, bummer, I was looking forward to you blowing stuff up again. Like, that was a low blow because she knows that Hudson... She doesn't like his powers. Yeah, he's already told her that he doesn't like his powers, that he would get rid of them if he could. And she has seen his flashback to a time when he blew everything in a room up and what a painful time that was for him. And when he had to use his powers again at the stadium during the Luderes tournament and at the end of Crush, he clearly was not happy about the situation. He wasn't just gleefully exploding the stadium. He was doing it. Because, you know, he knew that Grace was his mate and he thought he was about to lose her. Yep. So I, th- I thought that was a low blow of her. I, I didn't think that that was a cool thing to say during a petty argument. But also, she doesn't seem to be able to have that kind of rapport with him where she feels like she can say those things and not meet repercussions for it either. Um like both of them like they have a great time sniping at each other and it's fine and they're flirting and then all of a sudden one of them will say something and the other person takes offense and it's like why were all the other things okay but that one thing wasn't right right you're either okay joking around with your friend or and you obviously know the mood as well the tone of that conversation is obviously playful it's not like you are, are actually arguing and then you bring up something spiteful and then you are absolutely entitled to take offense. But if you're joking and playing around and the other person feels comfortable enough with you to maybe skirt a little bit close to home and be a bit too honest, but in a fun and playful way, you shouldn't take offense to it, even though it might be really difficult. 
you you should be realizing that the tone of that conversation is lighthearted, not I'm trying to get one up on you. Yeah, yeah, that would be it's like the equivalent of like like if you're having a lighthearted joke with a friend and you're kind of like making fun of each other and then like somebody like says something really mean and personal like oh well at least I don't have like a bunch of zits on my face and then you're like oh like things that would make you feel really bad or they make a joke about your weight or the way that you look like it would just it throws it off and this is something that is an integral part of his being is -hmm. that he blows stuff up that's that's his power yeah and I and I kind of I thought Grace might be a bit better at flirting than she is. Yeah, she's she's aw- she's an awful flirt. But also she like she gives like the promise of it and then trips over. Yeah, she even said that their bickering back and forth was starting to feel a lot like foreplay. Which which, which and then she goes which leads to other things. And I'm like, mm. We we know we know because obviously it goes through cover as well that she is a virgin, mm-hmm. but the way she says it, it's like well, this is like foreplay. It's very adult of her to recognise that that is a sexual thing for both of them, but then she doesn't do anything with it. And and like your note, she makes it a point to say that when they they like stand together, you know, once they both kind of have that realization of how much weight is truly on their shoulders, they have a really nice moment of just like solitude together where they push their heads together and kind of hold hands and take a deep breath. And she identifies it as an intimate moment, but not intimate sexually. Mm-hmm. Which, again you can only have with someone who you deeply care about you that's you can't be intimate with someone that you don't feel an affinity with like that you can absolutely be sexual with somebody but you can't put your forehead against somebody that you don't care about in the middle of a corridor because you're having that moment of consoling each other unless you're standing by a chess table and you just met the mysterious vampire at the school and you have a sudden impulse to touch his face see (laughs) when grace gets backed up into the chess table i was not aroused in any way shape or form no hudson backing her up into the wall i was like yes my king i will do anything for you amber just drops to her knees in that moment Oh, yeah. I've already plaited my hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, like she, she is very aware that things can be sexual and things are, 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 are tense between them and that things are like foreplay. They are flirting. But at the same time, she doesn't go, I'm uncomfortable with this. We need to stop. No, she's she's definitely she's, open to the idea. She's clearly into it. Yeah. But she also isn't saying to Hudson, if you're not into this, stop flirting with me because you are giving me mixed messages. Yeah. Because that's what she thinks. She thinks he doesn't want her anymore. Through this entire chapter, he's talking about how he wants to break the bond. Why he said that to her, I don't know. Because clearly he would understand that she would take that like that. Like, how else are you supposed to take that sentence if you have no context? I think that it's it's him trying to be selfless and think of his brother and trying to restore them because he doesn't want to see he But had, he doesn't say that. He says it as if he doesn't want her. Right. Well maybe it's like the the scene where, you know, you're getting rid of your animal and you go to abandon it in the woods and you're lo- and you be mean to it so it runs away even though you really love it. Get away from me. Just go. Just go. I don't want you anymore. You know what I mean? And you convince yourself that tying a dog to a tree and abandoning it is the best course of action. Yeah. It's like yeah. Fox and the fox and the hound when the old lady leaves. Fo- yeah, like when they're having like that moment of like foreheads together and then she goes in for the hug and I was like, Okay, she's she's being the person that reciprocates. She's being the person that moves that barrier of this is platonic and innocent. And now I'd like a hug, please. And then she says something like, we were close, uh, long enough to memorize his body alongside mine. 
and more than long enough to dot, dot, dot. And then she brings up something completely random as a conversation starter. And I was like, more, more than long enough to what, Grace? More, <laughs> what? More, more than long enough to what? Did he have a flashlight on his pocket? Yeah, because she, she just pushed up against his body and she's like, more than long enough to... I have to go. <laughs> yeah, it was really like, what was it that she could feel? Because obviously mine and your brains definitely know exactly what it would be. But the fact that she can read that and she can feel that and then doesn't mention anything even to herself as thoughts. Unless it wasn't that, in which case, what was it? I don't know. She immediately asks him a question after that. Yeah. I but like, if you're feeling that, if you're feeling, if you're feeling like he's just happy to see her and she feels that that's inappropriate, she can push away and say, this is, this is inappropriate. I don't feel comfortable anymore. But she's like more than long enough to No, I need to distract myself. Yeah. Think of something. Think of cold showers. And Mrs. Trunchbull. <laughs> naked nuns, naked nuns, naked nuns. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, what's going on? Like, you clearly are both into each other. Sort the shit out. Sexual frustration. Yep. Um, I want to note that Hudson genuinely apologizes for kind of being... Immediately. A, yeah, for being an asshole right when she calls him on it. He's like, he just apologizes. He doesn't give any excuses as to why he was like it. He was like, but, but, but it was very much like a, you, you know, you're right. And uh, I'm sorry. Which is a very not Jackson move. Yes. And is way sexier than men acting like assholes. And it is, it is exactly why of all the YA romances that I've read, Hudson's character still stands out in a unique way from every other, like, male bad boy that you're supposed to fall in love with hudson and reese those two mm -hmm. characters are just they own up to you know being assholes yep but also in realistic relationships if your partner is more likely to apologize for things that they know that they've done wrong when they're called out on it or when they're not called out on it, that it's just completely organic and it comes out from them. You feel like you can approach them again if they do hurt you and they've not realized it. You're not so much of a, well, they'll just make excuses. Right. You start to gaslight yourself based on the excuses that your partners have given you in the past as to the reasons why they've hurt you. Yeah, because um, you can then identify them as safe. Yeah. Like, oh, oh he, he, well, I'm sure he's sure he's stressed out or, oh, um, well, yeah, sure. He's just, he's just not had enough sleep or, oh, yeah, well, he, he maybe he's hungry and I, I should have made dinner sooner. It's like, n no, you can still be hungry and tired and stressed out and not be a dick. Yeah. And even if you are, you can apologize immediately. Like we uterus havers have definitely got a worse time of it sometimes with PMS. And I'm very much the person that will immediately apologize if I know that I have been unnecessarily bitchy for no reason and it came out of nowhere and it was completely uncalled for. I will go back up to him, even though it is mortifying and embarrassing, you go back up to them and say, I'm really sorry that was uncalled for. Yeah, I've been an ass. Yeah, not, but I'm PMSing or, but I don't feel very well or, but I'm tired. Any excuse or apology that ends in a but is not an apology. No, nothing after the but counts. Nope. So just to say, look, I'm really sorry that was uncalled for. And the other person will appreciate the apology more because you're not making excuses and they know that you're not feeling very well already because you don't hide things from them. They can look at your face and know you're tired. They know that you didn't sleep well. They know that you haven't eaten anything yet. You could just say, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean that at all. And it, full stop. The lesson, and it's really difficult to do. The lesson of the episode is be a Hudson. Don't be a Jackson. Yeah. No. Don't be a jackass. <laughs> Don't 
don't be a, don't be a Jackson jackass. Except no. except Grace is also a jackass because Hudson Grace asks about the bond if she she says, you know, I could I could see it. Like I I could feel you through the bond when I turned into a gargoyle just now. It was sparkly. Yeah, it was sparkly and This it was, is a bond of a killer baby. <laughs> this is this is this is the string of a killer. Um <laughs> So she brings it up that it's different and Hudson hopefully brings up that he's been doing research on mating bonds and tries to point out the fact that the mating bond between her and Jackson that he noticed from in the laundry room scene looked very different than the bond between them where the bond with Jackson and Grace was black and green and not pretty and sparkly and Hudson's bond is like bright blue with sparks flying off of it mm-hmm. and all Grace can focus on is Amber if you want to take that comparing one. bonds like she seems to think that Hudson's like yeah my bond is better than Hudson, uh, Jackson's isn't it because like mine's more solid and blue and sparkly look at his his was rubbish his was small it was and- really a really juvenile thought process, but that wasn't what he was talking about at all. But Grace shows her age here. But at the same time, I think it was a funny sentence. Like, it actually made me laugh. <laughs> so I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, they, they, get, they get onto that conversation of like, um, so how did the blood letter know how to break a bond if one has never ever been broken before other than in death? And um, she then asks him, like, what are you actually researching? And he says, oh, how to break a bond, how to how to break it. And I was like, you've literally just done all of this research, found out that the only occasion that someone has ever broken it would be between Grace and Jackson. And you want to do that again? It was already impossible the first time. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and, and then the way that he said it was very much like, a, oh, well, this is what I want and you're not going to get a vote. Yeah. And it, it reminded me of that conversation between her and Jackson at the doorway where he was like, you we already had your vote, Grace, and you chose. She is not really being given a, an option to choose anyone at any point because... Firstly, Jackson extra... What's the word? He put himself into her life. Like, rather forcibly. Like, he was just like, well, I'm going to orchestrate your every move now and it doesn't matter because I'm keeping you safe. And it's like, no, dude, back off. (laughs) Um, He forced herself himself into her lifestyle and she might not have ever wanted it, but she didn't have any option to. She just had the mating bond and that was it. So actually, I feel like the relationship that they had was just the mating bond. They had nothing in common whatsoever. And um, and now she's with Hudson, and the first kind of conversation that they have had since she has broken up with Jackson is him saying that he wants to break their bond. I mean, I I've, I feel for her. I, I feel like he's going, I don't want you either. Yeah. Even though that's absolutely not what he's thinking. <laughs> There's a huge... It's frustrating. Huge lack of communication all around. But once again, that's what makes a YA a YA. Teenagers yep. not talking to each other. And I can relate. <laughs> I, I, I can absolutely relate to being a teenager and not just opening my mouth and solving all of my problems by using my words. Um, but here- The thing is, that it was so difficult as a teenager to know when to actually open your mouth because the times when I did, the times when I said no, or I felt uncomfortable, or I'd like to do this, or I, I really like you, would you be able to go out on a date? Failed so spectacularly that you just become that shell of a person where you go, I'm not going to speak out because the reasons that... I, I I don't want to are actually more uncomfortable to me than just staying quiet. Yeah. You learn from past experiences that asking someone out and getting rejected is one of the worst feelings ever. Yeah. And so you just don't. It's it's that fear of failure that that guides our decision making so much. 
and we're so fair, afraid of rejection as, you know, a young adult especially that unfortunately it keeps us from making the right choices. But it, it would be better if everyone just spoke their mind and allowed themselves to be authentic with with also, yeah. you know, speak your mind to a degree. I'm not saying like if you see, you know, if you see somebody that you think is ugly, you walk up to them and be like, hey, you're ugly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> not not that much, but enough that yeah, it be, keeps be you truthful, safe. but not hurtful. Exactly. That's that's a good way to put it. And sometimes truthful does hurt. Like, for example, if you're in a relationship that you don't want to be in, if you're not invested in it as much as the other person, then definitely tell them sooner rather than later. It's not going to be a, well, this relationship might be a slow burner. It's like, no, no. If you don't feel into it at the beginning, you're probably not going to feel into it at the end either. Yeah. So, yes, you're going to hurt the other person by telling them that, but also how much more hurt would you induce if you stayed in the relationship for longer and gave them more time to get attached yeah and things happen as well like for example you could be in a relationship with someone you don't want to be in a relationship with someone you could end up having children you could end up getting a mortgage together you could end up getting loans out together and joint bank accounts and 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 things like that which are like normal everyday things that relationships kind of require but the more ties you have to this person, the more ties you're going to have to cut when you realize that you made a mistake in staying. And not to mention dragging dragging someone along who thinks mm-hmm. who thinks you're all in isn't good either. Yeah, the the worst cases that I've I've seen are usually when I mean, it's, I don't want to ever upset anybody because I I I have I am not ever been in this position. But the most hurt that I've ever seen is when somebody realizes that they are not straight and they've been in a straight relationship, they've had children and they come to terms with the fact that they they need to come out now. And the hurt that occurs from that, imagine just being able to say to your partner, it's like, I'm, I'm really not sure this is who I am. That person might have been able to help you identify yourself and work out your yourself along with you. But when it comes out after years and years and years and they have no idea, that's when it's it's shocking. painful. Yeah. Um, and you feel insulted. You feel insulted that you've been lied to this entire time when actually it might not have been a lie. You can still love someone, but not necessarily be sexually attracted to them in the same way. Right. And some people, they might think that that's what love is. If they've never had that experience before, they kind of lump it in together and go, well, this was, must be what love is. Especially it's, if they've only really experienced sad. toxic love in their life. And, yeah, you know, I think that a lot, I, I sense this a lot because... Grace, not that, not that you know, her parental love or anything was toxic, and we don't get a whole lot of a uh, of knowledge about her past. She said she had one past relationship, but I think she said that it it went fine, like there wasn't anything. And you know what? I'm so glad. You know, the amount of not like not necessarily like YA, but smut, most smut. Um, they go like, oh, well, you're not like Felix. <laughs> oh, this is this isn't like when me and Felix were in a relationship. I'm like, oh my god, why did why did writers do that? <laughs> it's really uncomfortable to read. I'm like, we never met Felix. Why is Felix even coming into the conversation? Where's Felix's I don't care story? About Felix. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why? What happened? And then Felix is usually abusive and makes her like do things that she wasn't comfortable with. And it's like, not every ex is boring and bland it's just sometimes that the relationships don't work out but they're always like oh my god you're not like felix at all but pop leave felix alone (laughs) felix is is living his best life (laughs) um so sorry to any felix (laughs) (laughs) so grace goes back to her room and ends up waking up macy with her she's she's laying in bed thinking and macy wakes up and <laughs> she's tossing and turning 
Yeah, Macy's Macy admits that she hasn't been sleeping much lately, which is sad. Um, mm-hmm. And but she says it's so nonchalantly as well. Yeah, she's like, oh, I, I don't get much sleep anymore. Yeah, oh. and Grace, like, she's so tied up in her own problems that she doesn't even go. Are you okay? I know. <laughs> Grace, goddammit, girl. Your lovers yeah. are both still alive. And then, like, whilst, whilst she's, like, tossing and turning, she also says specifically, guys, that the bond that Jackson had with her was braided, twisted braid of green and black. I was right. No, 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 no. It's a braid. No, 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 no. It's like one of those little friendship bracelets that you make in middle school. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, like so she says they're talking to she's talking to Macy and then Macy's like, What's up? And she's like Jackson broke up with me last week. And I'm like, She didn't even tell Macy. Y'all have been in the same room together this whole time and you week. haven't talked? No, I talk no, and she's been crying in the shower every morning. You know when your best friend is moping. Oh yeah, you don't you don't cry in the shower and then come out of the shower and then look fine. No, you get puffy eyes and puffy face and snotty nose and you just know. And unless Macy has also been oblivious, because she's she's hurting too, and her her hurting I think is more justifiable than not that it's not okay for Grace to I be love upset. My boyfriend. Yeah, Macy actually legitimately like still alive. <laughs> yeah, Macy legitimately lost her boyfriend. She le- she lost him for realsies. He is yeah. He is light. <laughs> <laughs> he is light. He is light. Um, like, it, it, it takes me back to when um, I think it was, was it Flint describing Hudson as Jackson Light. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, he is light. <laughs> So, so yeah, we get our first freaking like legit school day with Grace. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Grace is yep. is she throws on her like stained up shirt and because <laughs> they're running late and Macy does a glamour and she's ready to go, but Grace is looking absolutely awful. She needs another laundry day. She does with Hudson. Mm-hmm. They need to just go back to their roots, get back to that laundry room, and get busy with laundry. Yeah. <laughs> get busy washing those clothes thoroughly, really scrubbing out those stains. <laughs> My husband came down and he was like, well, I was watching uh, NFL, we get we get the American adverts, and um, they're like so much different to our adverts. Mm-hmm. And he said that there was one, and it was... Um, a, a woman coming in whilst the man was just like at a table and she's like, hey, you want to do a taxes? And he's like, why would I want to do a taxes? And she kind of like wiggles her eyebrows. He goes, oh. And he gets up and walks out. And then uh, another couple is like, hey, you want to go do groceries? And he's like, yes, baby, I want to do some groceries. And then there's this old couple on like a porch on their rocking chairs. And the lady goes, hey, want a bang? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like whatever you call it, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, want to do some laundry? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that up to Scott. Hey, <laughs> want to do some he'll laundry? St- he'll start giggling. He'll know exactly what I mean, but not know why. <laughs> that that ties into your note about sparing delicate sensitivities. <laughs> oh, I'm so annoyed. So I, I've I've been ripping into Grace this whole time, saying that she's just not curious enough. She's walking around oblivious with blinkers on. She just doesn't care that this world exists around her. She's just like, no, I don't care enough to ask. I'm fine. Turns out she has been asking. It's just her friends are like, mm, no, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to spare your delicate sensitivities from knowing the truth. And I'm just not going to tell you. Well, bastards. Like, even, like, she's not a child. She's not a child where, like, actually finding out where babies come from could be quite a traumatic and horrific version of a story. It's not, it's not like aren't finding out that, yes, 
these are human. She's already found that out. What could possibly be worse than already knowing that there are human bodies in this dungeon? Like, I'm sure with her anxious brain, she's already come up with a reality that is way worse than the actual truth. Oh, yeah. And and she she states that when she's on the way to her class with Ms. Virago, that there's something off about this part of the school. And she describes the classroom as having like shackles on the walls and big scratches all over the walls. And the, the classroom itself is a is like a circle shape. So I'm like, I'm wondering, what was this? What what was this used for? Because we do <laughs> find knows. we we do find out that in the last book that Catmere Academy was the original dragon court, and that's why the horde is there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that it, it, but they wouldn't be dragon bones because dragon bones get taken, and they wouldn't be vampire bones because vampires disintegrate. So, so and and why? I don't know. But but she makes a point to say that something is off about this part of the school and that yep. she 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 senses something and we never get a we don't get closure guys. We never get closure on that. Nope. Not even through court. We don't get any closure on why there's something off about this part of the school. Nope. And um and her friends are not going to listen to her when she says, "Well, there's the like heebie-jeebies around here." They're just like, "Yeah, well, she's, like, she's literally a gargoyle that nobody has seen another in a thousand years. Who knows what she can pick up compared to you?" Yeah, then they're annoying me. Stupid friends. She could speak to the stone walls for all you know. Who knows? She could. Maybe that is what. She senses. Oh, maybe that. Maybe they're not human. What the the bones? Maybe they're gargoyle. Yeah. Oh. oh. Now I feel sad. Someone. Ooh, yeah. Because I feel like if it was humans, they would just tell her. Yeah, because there were there were lots of gargoyles back, you know, way back when, lots and lots and lots of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and it would make sense to use a gargoyle as building bricks for something. Oh no! Let us know what you guys <laughs> think. I'm getting like you won't get the vibes, but I'm getting like Attack on Titan vibes because they use the Titans to build the walls. Mm. You guys will have to uh, let us know in the Crave the Book podcast tea room what you think about the theory. Because there's no bodies anywhere. Like, there's not, like, a graveyard she can go visit. Like, everybody has told her that the the gargoyles were massacred. Like, all of them, apart from maybe the unkillable beast and maybe a few others, got killed by Cyrus. And then they've all just died out. Where are the bodies? Yeah, because I know some of you will be like, but in core, and I, but that's not all of we them. Skirt, we skirt around. We skirt, <laughs> we skirt around. Yeah, that's not we all skirt of around them, the spoilers. Though. There has to be there has to be more than what we know about in the last book. So if that's the case, where are they? Do you reckon like the unkillable beast so far has been like that? There's a whale. There's a whale that is the it is literally the last of its kind. There is a, it is the only one left, and it just goes around singing like, "Is anybody there? Hello, hello." It's like the saddest and yet funniest story, and it's like, no. <laughs> it's just like really, really fucking sad. But at the same time, this whale is going hello. hello. Jack <laughs> oh, no. and the unkillable beast has been going like, hello. Meanwhile, Grace like hearing this voice and ignoring it. She's like, oh my god, I must be going crazy. It's the weird, <laughs> it's the spooky tree outside the school telling me to stay Just, away. <laughs> it was a spooky tree, a spooky tree, spooky tree. <laughs> so the the I, I agree that one of my favorite parts of the Crave series as a whole is what takes place in this classroom, and I so 
so wish that we got more scenes of Grace in class with Flint and Hudson and Jackson because this is gold. Because Grace is, <laughs> it is. Grace is in the middle of this just amazing. She calls it a quadrangle. <laughs> yeah, quadrangle. <laughs> She's like a love triangle, square, quadrangle. <laughs> circle oh this is funny it's quadrangle and it, and it makes it so much better because we have the female equivalent of snape walking around the classroom <laughs> just absolutely on a rampage being irrationally angry yep saying that you know well i'll i'll assign you i'll give you extra literally two seconds late to class yeah i'll give you an assignment on what you've missed and grace literally she got to class on time she just needed to take a deep breath before she opened the door and that deep breath was the reason that late. she got extra work yep and then hudson's talking sweetly as if he's never done a thing wrong in his life and he also not like lands with attention but he gets called back to stay after class because he clearly doesn't know anything and then jackson snaps his pencil off and it flies into the teacher's desk so then he gets attention and then because flint laughs at it he gets detention and it's just like an absolute whirlwind of just shenanigans that would only ever happen in a school but the bit that makes me the laugh the most because i don't really laugh to these scenes it takes a lot for me to actually laugh whilst i'm reading a book and i think it's because i know deep down that people might be watching me (laughs) (laughs) you know when like i'm reading and then like scott is in the corner just playing xbox and it's like if you giggle to yourself (laughs) i just like laughing and he looks over like, what are you laughing about? I make like, it a point to laugh boy. out loud on purpose. That way my husband will ask me why I'm laughing and I have a reason to read whatever has made me laugh. See, if I did that and I read out what it was, he would be like, uh, I don't get it. Why is that funny? And I'm like, oh, you have to be there. <laughs> you just don't understand, okay? But yeah, um, the, the bit that makes me laugh the most is when they're all just like bickering and Grace goes, I need another group to like, and no one in particular, like, can I have another group, please? Another group. And Flint goes, I'll be in your group. <laughs> She's like, you're already in my group. It's why I need a new group. <laughs> <laughs> Flint, Flint just constantly trying to be helpful. And she's like, you haven't even done any work. He's like, I have two. And he slides his paper over and he's got like, a crappy little chart drawn and on one side he's got Jackson with devil horns on one side (laughs) and then Hudson of course looks at it and he's like hey that's pretty good (laughs) more things I think is really really sweet because he's not necessarily trying to sabotage the like the relationship between Jackson and Grace because he obviously does love Jackson because he's also got a partner so he's already with Luca but at the same time, I think for the first time, he's comfortable interacting with them as a group, not necessarily feeling that sexual tension with Jackson in the same way, but also feeling like he can finally talk to Grace in front of Jackson and not have that feeling of, I'm going to get caught. Because every time there was an interaction between Grace and Flint, Jackson would get jealous. Mm-hmm. But now there's no reason for Jackson to be jealous because A, Flint is gay, and B, he's in a relationship with Luca. So even if Jackson was jealous of Grace being flirted with because he wanted Flint, that's not going to happen because he's with Luca. And if he was jealous of Grace getting flirted with, Hudson would step in as well. So I'm just, I'm, I'm living for the drama. It's great. It's great. And the redirect because now Hudson is public enemy number one in Jackson's eyes. So he's he doesn't even care about Flint, which means that Flint gets to finally be authentically himself, which he maintains through this entire book. He is my favorite character in this book for Covet. Mm. And, and you know what's really, really funny is everyone hated Hudson. Everybody was terrified of Hudson. Everybody thought that Hudson was evil incarnate. Hudson pops into existence and everyone loves him. And Jackson's like, fuck. Yeah, and 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 everybody's, it's not that anybody dislikes Jackson, but he's becoming unlikable 
And everybody yes. senses it. Even Macy is like all for Hudson now. But it's the same as like if you inter- if you introduced someone and you had already previously told everybody that you really didn't like them, they were really horrible people that that they you just don't want to spend any time with them, and then they leave and you ask your friends, so what did you think? Hoping to have a bitching session, they're like, she's really nice. Like I don't know what's wrong with you. Why do you hate her? And you're like, shit, everything I know about the world is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just love that he he was expecting Hudson to come into existence and like wreak havoc. And he's he's not. He's he's going to the library. <laughs> yeah, and poor poor Grace the entire time. She's like, he er, Jackson's like, you spent the night with him, and she's just like, evening. And then Hudson's like, well, if you wouldn't have been like up your own butt, you could have spent the night with her. And Grace is still in the background. Evening. <laughs> but also, Jackson didn't get to spend the evening with her, uh, the night with her at all anyway. So I don't know why he's jealous, ex- except for the fact that maybe Hudson might have had more of a chance of getting in her pants day one. But he was like, you couldn't wait to go to him. And I'm like, she did. She waited a whole bloody week. Yeah. And meanwhile, Flint supposedly shouldn't know that Jackson and Grace split up because he hasn't told anybody and she hasn't told Flint. So therefore, Flint's just at this table watching this drama about Grace maybe spending the night with him. <laughs> He's just like, well, okay, <laughs> this is great. He's eating his popcorn. He's He is the, the popcorn meme, just sitting mm-hmm. there like shoveling popcorn in his mouth, just... <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> he's there for the tea he always is. but not leah's tea never leah's tea never <laughs> so um grace and hudson get extra homework and they decide to meet up for a separate little little homework session and he's late and he's late and he's acting a little off and grace asks him if he's okay and he gets even more like strange when she asks him and then we find out that it's because no one has ever asked Hudson if he's okay which I've noticed in the last few books that I have read has been a trend with the men the first time that I read Covet I was like oh nobody's asked him if he's okay but now I've read three other books and it's just like nobody ever asks me if I'm okay like everybody just assumes that I'm okay or it's written on your face that you're not okay and you scare me. So I'm not going to ask if you're okay because <laughs> you may bite my head off. Yeah, you might yell at me. Yeah. Mm. But they only get through like a tiny little bit of work before Grace... And they're having a great conversation. They like, were. They're actually like, like having a conversation and be like getting on it was working there was chemistry and then all of a sudden a text comes through on grace's phone he glances at it and then just stand up and goes i'm leaving and grace can't convince him to stay yeah he's he's going to do more research about breaking the mating bond which is the thing that has grace so upset to begin with and you pointing this out in the notes i never even thought to consider that he saw the preview of the text, mm-hmm. and that's what made him jump up. Yeah, because I don't think he would have had he seen a text come through from Jackson. Yeah, because meh. Because before that could have been at anything. Yeah, before Grace left to go study, she sent uh, Jackson a quick text just to try to start a conversation with him that said, "How does a mummy address a letter?" Mm-hmm. he's great writing as well because you're so absorbed in the relationship between Hudson and Grace that you forgot she sent that text yeah and you also forgot the joke so therefore you forgot what the answer could be and the context of Jackson's text yeah um and yeah the text comes through from Jackson and imagine like you're you're having a really good time with this girl that you really really like you are supposedly getting on really well. You're going to spend the rest of the evening with them, doing whatever you were you were planning on doing. And then a text comes back from her ex or your brother saying, I miss my heart. Aww. And then, like, that's a weird text for anybody to send when there's no context. Like, it's not like she had been in a conversation with someone and then that text come through. 
it was it was completely out of the blue like an hour in and then just somebody saying i miss my heart is a weird text to receive and then you find out that it's jackson trying to get the punchline of the joke he what does a mummy how does a mummy address his letters i miss my heart and then he says or all any of my organs for that matter <laughs> and he doesn't he doesn't seem to get these jokes grace doesn't that's not, that's not a great answer it's a terrible answer and Grace doesn't make the connection that that's what made Hudson, like, leave, where she could leave, have texted yeah. Hudson real quick to clarify. Yeah. Screenshots. Always screenshots. But then... Uh, she could just send a screenshot of the... Because nothing nothing bad happens. So she could have screenshot the entire conversation and said, your brother is really, really bad at these. Yeah. Yeah, anything. Anything. Even and if it would have cleared everything up. Yeah, she wouldn't even had to explain, like, if, if she was afraid that he might be embarrassed by the fact that he misunderstood. She mm-hmm. she could have just screenshot it and said, LOL, why is your brother so bad at this? Or why is your yeah. brother so bad at jokes? Or why didn't you ever t- teach your brother how to tell jokes as a kid? Like, she could have, mm-hmm. you know, kind of manipulated that situation in a way that made everybody feel better about it. But she just didn't. She didn't think about it. And speaking of texts and manipulating the situation, there was a there was a bit during these chapters where she's having the conversation with Macy, and um, she said, "Do you think I could get an appointment with the blood letter?" Oh yeah. And Macy's like, "Jackson, I'm sure Jackson would take you. Like, he, the bond between you two means just as much to him as it does to you." And then Grace is like, "Actually, I texted Hudson instead because I'd rather go with Hudson." And the way that she was texting him as well, she was grinning through the entire thing, like he was making her laugh. There was a great interaction. The texts were really funny. Um, she says, "Do you fancy going somewhere with me on Saturday?" And he's like, "Define somewhere." Because like maybe I also feel like he might have thought that she was asking him on a date. Ah. And then she's like, do you want to come to like, and she's like, does it, does the location matter? And he's like, if, if you're planning a military coup, yes. If you're building snowmen, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're having like a really cute, like texts and stuff. And then all of a sudden he seems to think that she's playing them both. When actually she's not really playing either of them. It's not like she's trying to get either of them in bed. She's just like, look, I just want to get through my graduation. She, and I don't want my heart broken and stamped on. She just wants and to I try want to, to survive this. Yeah, and she wants to survive. Like she, like she said that, um, that she needs to be careful and people keep telling her to start, like, stop getting herself into this trouble. And she's like, even if I hide, the trouble seems to find me anyway. I was, and she, she, she wrote it in a very good paragraph. It was like, I was lured to the school by someone who knew I was Jackson's mate before Jackson even knew. She then tried to kill me. Uh, I had a mate forced upon me and I wasn't aware of it. And I wasn't told either by that person. Then I found out that I was a gargoyle and there was no one else, the known one for like a thousand years. Then uh, I got threatened with the promise of incarceration in um, my father-in-law's basement. Um, <laughs> then I signed myself over to this thing saying that I was going to win this circle seat that I didn't even really care about, about a governing faction that I didn't really understand. Um, then I went to this like island and my friend died, but I also discovered that the thing that I had been like trying to kill was another of my kind who has been in prison for a thousand years so that was a bummer um i then come back to school i lose my mate um and then i almost die and get bitten by my father-in-law and then and then i get a new mate and then i and then my past mate breaks up with me and like she like lists all these things and she's like i didn't go out of my way for any of those <laughs> yeah and it's all they been just happened to me it's all been within the course of a couple weeks. Yeah. So it's it's a lot. And I, I, I think that this is especially sad because she asks Jackson if she can go up to his room and he says yes. And, or no, she asks if she can, if they can talk and he says come up to my room, which used to be that like universal cue for like, let's spend time together. 
And she got super excited and she ran up there and opened the door only to find that everything that made Jackson's room like him was completely Mm -hmm. stripped out of the room. And it was all dark and cold with just workout equipment. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then he starts like talking. He's like, oh, should we sit down? And then realizes that he doesn't even have any furniture to be able to offer that. Yeah. Like he doesn't have any furniture. That's and concerning. And he has a bag packed, which right when Grace asks about it, he doesn't even tell her at first. He's like, well, you didn't answer my question. Like, why are you being so defensive? Like, that would be my first thought. Yeah. Like, are you- like my question doesn't mean anything to me now. Um like your question means nothing. Why did I come and see you? I, I go, that's not important. Where the hell are you going? <laughs> yeah. And were you going to? And he was. He was just going to leave and not tell her. With all with all of the order, which would be the only other people that she could even ask where he went. Yep. Everybody who would know where he went was leaving. Be on the, yeah. Yeah. And he was literally going to the worst place ever as well. Yeah. So it wasn't like, a, look, I'm just go, I'm going for like a, like a weekend away. I just need a, I need a holiday. I need to get away. Because like that would be kind of understandable. He's like, I need, like, I, I need some space and I don't want to see you walking down the halls or I think you and Hudson need some time to figure things out and I'm in the way currently. So I'm going to give you some time to miss me or something. But no, he's like, I'm going to go and stay with my daddy. Yeah. The guy who literally tried to kill her. And he uses it as a pretense of like, yeah, but I'll be able to know what he's up to. And I'm like, yeah, but and he's so manipulative. What makes you think that he's going to tell you? And then when, and then when Grace tries to show any, concern or desire to fix the situation he tells her to just let him go which i think Mm -hmm. that he meant like to let him go to the vampire court but it was more of a just let me go yeah it was an implied like let me go just let this whole thing go yep which was sad yeah it doesn't really take grace's feelings into account where she's like i don't want to let you go I wanted you in the first place. You were the one that broke the bond. Yeah. So we get in some some spoilers. Yes. A woo woo woo. Spoilers, spoilers. All right. You have all the spoilers. So. I do. Okay. So when Hudson is talking about Jackson's bond, he kind of puts the emphasis on the black part as the weird bit which was interesting. Um, He's like, well, did you notice the bond, Jackson's bond? It was green and black. And I was like, wait, why was the black part weird? Surely it would be the green part that's weird. Black is definitely your brother's color. Every time Grace introduced something that Hudson, uh, that Jackson owned, of course it's black because of course it is. Um, And now I'm conflicted in my theory because... Why would the green bit stay? Unless the green bit was the was the demigod part. That's what we had said last week. But Hudson week. wouldn't have known that. And because he wouldn't have known that, then he would have thought it was totally normal. And he would have thought that the black part was the part that was incongruous. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe what he was... Obs- maybe, he thought, maybe he thought that the black part... Because when you think of black things, you think of like rotting and you think yeah. of like... Not sparkly. Yeah, so maybe he thinks like, oh, you've still got the bond with Jackson because you could still reach out to him. Because, right, so she can still like channel things to Macy if she wanted to, but there is no bond with Jackson whatsoever. Like not even a friendship. Yeah, which means that maybe she can only form bonds with people that have souls. Oh, which would mean that Jackson, until he actually gets a soul... At the end of the book, he mm-hmm. would be incapable of having a mate. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was just, it was just the way that he was like emphasized the black part that I was like, wait, am, am I still right? <laughs> yeah. And um. Yeah. And then my next note was, how did Leah know that Grace 
was Jackson's mate. Did the blood letter tell her? I don't remember. Did Jackson tell Leah because he did kind of... No, Leah went, Leah went to go and kill her parents. That's right. So that she ended up at Katmere. So how does she know that if Jackson didn't know? It, oh. Because why would the bloodletter tell Leah? Because Leah, unless Leah was... Did Leah go to the bloodletter to find out the spell to bring Hudson back? No, because she looked up the spell in the library. That's what she was doing all that time. Was looking. Do you reckon there's a spell to find out somebody's mate? Um, like, and if like, there was, would you do it? <laughs> is it like the ultrasound of mates, like finding the gender of your baby? Yeah. It's a Hudson. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I was like, well, this question. She asks this question, but it, I don't think it gets answered. All right, podcast we, people. We understand why. We understand why Leah brought Hudson back and why she needed Grace as the mate. But how did she know that Grace was his mate? Yeah. Um. Well podcast peeps you are responsible for <laughs> podcast peeps. podcast <laughs> peeps you're responsible for trying to figure that out for us and let us know in our group crave the book podcast tea room how did leah know that grace was destined to be jackson's mate unless this was a predetermined thing that took place uh between grace's parents and the blood letter that Leah was somehow able to capture in transit, not that she's hacking phone lines or anything. It's, I don't. I just think it's very strange that, like, nobody knew who the mate was. Like, nobody even other than the blood letter knew that the mating bond was fake between Jackson and Grace. So, how did Leah know? Hmm. It's concerning. A little concerning. Um, yeah. Um, and then, um, so when Grace and Hudson are doing their study session yes. in the library, they're talking about the butterfly effect and how responsible they would be if they were to go back in time for changing the course of history. Yeah, for their research project. Is this foreshadowing for time travel? Because we know that we have the god of time we also have remy and we also know that grace might be able to manipulate time like freezing time and things like this so is this a foreshadowing for time travel like a, just like a sneaky little easter egg in because that scene doesn't come back as important for the rest of the books that have currently been written no but it's something but of that all they're the things. Yeah, they're it's something that they're interested in at that moment. Yeah. Mm, okay. So that, that's the one little thing. I can see that. Uh, and then, yeah. And then when she goes into Jackson's room and she sees that there is just nothing in his bedroom anymore. There's no sign of personality, there's no sign of joy. Um he's removed all of his hobbies, all of his interests and things that keep him like interested and, and and entertained and she says that it's a jack as a window into jackson's and then soul is in italics so i think we have confirmed that jackson's soul is specifically the reason why he gets rid of all of the fun things in his bedroom because he just feels nothing anymore he feels no passion yeah. for reading or playing drums or artwork Grace. <laughs> Or Grace. <laughs> so yeah, um, that was that was something that I was like, ooh, confirmed, Con theory confirmed, because we did mention it a few times in the spoiler sections of other episodes, where we thought that that was the reason why his room just kind of loses everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was my last note for the spoilers. All right. Guys, let us know what you think in our Facebook group and we will read through your theories as well. But um this was When a does Charm come out? Uh I forget. November? 
We might have finished Covet. Yeah, we're reading we're reading at a decent pace. We might be still going through court though. Probably. And court will take like four years <laughs> to do. <laughs> the font is so tiny. I'm so so thick as the thick boy. Thick boy. Um and I don't have the physical copy yet. I know I have it here for you. I've I have not yet. <laughs> you still have a person in my box? No, I haven't. <laughs> That's six months. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm a bad person. I need to. I have I have everything here. I just haven't gone up. I ran out of soap yesterday. Okay, well that gives me a reason to hurry. <laughs> I I do I, I went to um Bath and Body Works and I got some of the foam soap, which is like life changing, guys. We don't have it in the UK. <laughs> no foam soap. And uh, apparently people come to use my bathroom specifically for the soap. And I have none left. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll hustle then. I'll hustle. <laughs> we've had our, we've had a kitchen remodel, so we've, things have been hectic around the house, but I will prioritize. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.